Hello, podcast listeners. Today, I am actually in Las Vegas today for this podcast as I'm recording because I'm here for a girls volleyball tournament. But I have to say, I still want to be able to report things as much as I can, being that I am trying to podcast and try to grow this podcast as much as possible. And within the next couple of days, I should be able to know if Wall Street is technically correct uh, from the article we had just talked about, about how casino stocks were suffering due to the fact that people weren't coming. Uh, as of today, or as of right now, they look right, but we'll find out more with time. Today, With today's podcast, we're actually going to first start off by talking a little bit how Russia is squeezing Europe's gas supplies and sparking a bitter, reluctant return to coal. And yesterday we spoke about this. It was about Germany. There's other countries that are feeling this pain as well. Elon Musk has made it clear now he's going to lay off at least 3.5% of his workforce at Tesla as ex-employees sue the company. Some recent news today that was recently given out too is that Kellogg is going to split into three independent companies. And what does that mean for the potential of the stock? And finally, Lowe's is dipping into the metaverse because they hope to be able to help visualize projects for their potential customers. With that being said, guys, like I always say before I start each podcast, I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about on this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing in any stocks. Some of these stocks that I am talking about in today's podcast, I do have a small position in, like Facebook, Lowe's, and whatever oil companies will get mentioned in this podcast as well. Uh, and please go talk to your own professional advisor before making any financial decisions as every as they understand your financial situation a lot more than I would, and I cannot give you financial advice. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and for information for those who wish to seek it. Starting off today's podcast, Russia squeezing Europe's gas supplies, sparking a bitter and reluctant return to coal from CNBC. Reduced flows of Russia gas and, and the specter of a full supply disruption have promoted some European governments to reconsider coal, one of the, the most dirtiest and most polluting ways to produce energy. It has stoked fears that the energy crisis could see Europe's delay and transition away from fossil fuels. Although policymakers insist that the burning of coal is a necessary stopgap to help prevent a winter supply shortage. Coal is the most carbon-intense fossil fuel in terms of emissions and therefore is the most important target for replacement and the pivot to alternative energy sources. However, Germany, Italy, Austria, and the Netherlands have all indicated that coal-fired plants could be used to compensate for the cut in Russian gas supplies. Russia stated back energy giant Gazprom has cut capacity to the Via Nord Stream Pipeline 1 that runs to Germany under the Baltic Sea, citing delay return of equipment serviced by Germany's Siemens Energy in Canada. Quote, it's not clear when or if Nord Stream 1's gas flows will return to normal levels. Germany's economy minister Robert Habeck has described the government's decision to limit the use of natural gas and burn more coal as a bitter one, but said the country must do everything it can to store as much gas as possible before winter. Quote, the gas storage tanks must be full in winter. That has to be the top priority, Habeck said in a statement, according to a translation. The Netherlands on Monday said it would achieve its early warning phase of energy crisis plan and remove a production cap at the coal-fired plants to preserve gas, according to Rutgers. Italy and Austria have reported plans to consider burning more coal to offset a sharp drop in Russian gas supplies. Okay. We talked about this a little bit yesterday, how it was mostly Germany. Now we got Austria, we got Italy, and now we also have the Netherlands, who are going to have to be using coal now. Makes me wonder how the energy discussion is going to keep going going forward. I also wonder, too, if coal is going to start spiking up a little bit more because of the fact that you have a 
not only supply crunch in the energy sector, but at the same time, you're having a coal issue as well, potentially in the making. If these four countries are doing this now, it makes me wonder what Sweden's going to do, what Finland's going to do, what uh, Belgium's going to do, what's the UK going to do, what's France going to do, what are all these countries going to do? What's Ukraine going to do too? Because Ukraine is going to be suffering the most probably due to this war and energy crisis in the making. In a way, if you think about it, Europe's entering pretty much what happened after World War II, supply shortages, and now they're having to ration everything. And it makes me wonder how this supply chain is going to be potentially affected in Europe right now when it comes to energy. We'll finish with this last part of the article. Henning uh, Gloyston, Director of Energy, Climate and Resources at Political Risk Consultancy Eurasians Group, said the short-term solution for Germany and many other European governments is to access any form of energy they can that's not Russian. And sadly, that does include coal. Hard coal and legitimate, which is the dirtiest form of coal, but Germany has a fair bit of that. And we'll probably try to maximize that to avoid a winter gas shortage. Gloystein, so CNBC, walk on the box. European policymakers would be able to avoid winter energy rationing. Um, Gloystein said, however, he warned that things could get really nasty if the Russian gas stops flowing when it's particularly cold. Quote, the worst case scenario is energy rationing. That would be the that non-essential industry are asked at the first stage to reduce consumption in return for compensation. That's the plan of government in Germany published over the weekend. You might want to start getting ready, Europe. You're going to be facing shortages, not only in food, but now potentially even in energy. Guys better start getting prepared now because something tells me eventually there's not going to be enough coal for you guys as well going forward because we haven't used coal because coal is such a quote-unquote dirty energy source even though there's probably companies who are trying to make ways to make it more cleaner but they weren't able to stand out as much because everything had to be wind and turbine i guess you can say they're reaping what they sow right now on to the next one elon musk clarifies tesla will lay off 3.5 percent of total workforces as ex-employees sue company elon musk has sought to clarify how many tesla workers will lose their jobs following the launch of the lawsuit by former employees who claims the automaker breached u.s labor laws Speaking at an event hosted by Bloomberg on Tuesday, Musk says that Tesla would reduce its salary workforce by 10% in the next three months, while at the same time growing the number of hourly employees. A report earlier this month from Rudders said Musk wanted to cut 10% of jobs, citing that the international email penned by Tesla CEO in the memo, Musk said that he had a super bad feeling about the economy. But in the follow-up email to Tesla staff obtained by CNBC, Musk clarified the company will be reducing its salary headcount by 10% and increasing its hourly staffing. Musk said Tuesday that it's meant Tesla layoffs announced would affect around 3.5% of its overall workforce, adding the actual amount was not super material. Salary workers account for more than two-thirds of Tesla employees, he added. Quote, a year from now, I think our headcount will be higher in both salaried and obviously in hourly, Musk said. On Sunday, two former Tesla employees filed a lawsuit against the company, um, alleging it violated U.S. federal laws regarding mass layoffs. Under the Worker Adjustment Retraining Notification Act, employers are required to give 60 days advance notice of a mass layoff or plant closure. Musk, the world's richest person, dismissed the importance of the suit Tuesday, saying it has no standing. That is a small lawsuit to minor consequence, he said. Anything that relates to Tesla gets big headlines, whether it's bicycle accident or something much more serious. Musk's treatment of workers has been under scrutiny lately. He recently told to Tesla employees that they should come into office at least 40 hours a week or leave the company. While the other tech bosses, including... Uh, Parag Aragwal, CEO of Twitter, uh, 
which Musk is trying to buy, has embraced the post-COVID drive into remote working. Musk isn't on board. He said people wanting to work remotely should pretend to work somewhere else. The company has also faced allegations of racism against black workers. In February, the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing and Tesla over complaints about radical discrimination and harassment. Anything Elon does is going to get attention anyway, any way, shape or form, whether it's good or bad. And Elon's probably right. There's There are things to be worried about. We've talked about this, obviously, in the past. Microsoft is being more selective when it comes to hiring people. JP Morgan Chase is trying to get ready. Another bank's trying to get ready. Two housing companies recently laid off 10 to 8. One company laid off about 10% of its workforce, while another one's laying off about 8% of its workforce. So these these are happening. It is happening. And so at the end of the day, it makes me wonder what's going to happen when these companies start to actually have to lay off people because there are things that are happening currently right now. And at the same time, it just seems like the economy is not doing that well right now. Gas prices are currently up. Like I said, we'll know in a couple of days when I'm in Vegas, when I actually get to see what what the nightlife's like in the gambling world, see if there actually is anything being effective currently right now. But it makes me wonder what's happening. Finishing off with the article, recession more likely than not. Asked about the uh, prospect of the economy tipping into a recession. Musk said it is inevitable at some point, but question when such an event may happen. A recession is in, is in the near term more likely than not, he said, although he added it's not certainty. With inflation at historic highs, economics are worried that the prospect of stagflation where prices go up, but economy growth deteriorates. Last week, the Federal Reserve made its biggest interest rate hike since 1994. <clears throat> we need to pay attention to what these CEOs are doing. CEOs know where it's coming before everyone else kind of does. I mean, they have to. And a lot of CEOs are preparing right now. They'll make their moves before the government makes their moves because the government will always be behind. But it seems like right now they're making the moves as if a recession is coming. So I guess pay attention to Elon if you guys want to know what's happening. But continue to pay attention to the CEOs of these companies because they're going to let you know as well. Going on to the food and beverage side of the market, Kellogg to separate into three companies focusing on snacks, cereal, and plant-based foods. Kellogg is planning to separate into three independent public companies, sectioning off its iconic brands into district snacking, cereal, and plant-based businesses. Shares of the company rose as much as 8% in pre-market trading, but closed up 1.9%. The announcement Tuesday comes a decade after Kellogg's $2.7 billion purchase of Pringles, which signaled the company's shift into focusing on global snack businesses. With people increasingly eating more often between meals, Kellogg, along with other rivals like Frito-Lay owner of PepsiCo and Oreo cookie owner uh, Mon- Mon- Mondelez, have learned that the trend inter- by introducing more snacks and snapping up smaller brands on Monday, um, Mon- Mondelez said that it was acquiring Cliff Bar for $2.9 billion. Wow, that was even news that I didn't even know either. They were buying out Cliff Bar. Cereal sales, by contrast, have stagnated in the U.S. as people eat on the go and reach for the greater variety of options in the morning. Brands including Special K, Fruit Loops, and Rice Krispies had for decades been the foundation of Kellogg, but are no longer seen as a growth drivers for the company. The pandemic briefly revived the cereal category as more consumers ate breakfast at home, but Kellogg expects flat revenue growth for its North America cereal business in the future. Quote, those, are, those, that, those who scratched their head in 2012 about the zero overlap Pringles deal should scratch no longer. It's the legacy North American business that didn't fit management's plans. And today's announcement makes that final. Consumer Edge analyst Jonathan Freeman, Freeman wrote in a note to clients, Kellogg has been weighing spinoffs as a potential strategy since 2018. 
Executives told investors on a conference call discussing the announcement on Tuesday. CEO Steve Calhine, Calhine said all three businesses have significantly standalone potential, although the company is exploring alternatives, including a potential sale for its plant-based business. Combined Kellogg's plant-based business division and North American cereal business and accounted for about 20% of the company's revenue last year. The remaining business includes snacks, noodles, international cereal, and North American frozen brands breakfast. The tax-free spinoffs are expected to be completed by the end of 2023. Names for the new companies haven't been yet decided, and proposed management teams for the two spinoffs will be announced by the first quarter of next year. Kel Hine will stay as chief executive of Global Snacking Company. The business that housed the brands like Pringles, Cheez-Its, Pop-Tarts, and X-Bar, and last year's reported $11.4 billion in revenue, about 10% of those sales come from the growing noodle business in Africa. Hmm, that's good to know. Well, another 10% comes from Eggo Waffles and its frozen breakfast business. North America will represent nearly half of the company's revenue. It's good to see that this company is breaking apart. I mean, to be fair, when I left to make my trip to Vegas today, I didn't eat cereal. I do have cereal at home, but I don't like consuming cereal as much as I used to. As a kid, I used to consume it a lot, but now I'd rather just eat something that's I can just open, start consuming immediately in the morning and go about my day. But I'm curious to know when this company breaks up, who does get the cereal side of the business? Because the cereal side of the business is probably going to be the company that gets hit the most because people, it doesn't seem like people are consuming as much cereals in general. Now, granted, there are people who are consuming cereal, so we can't completely say that it's not being consumed. But at least I'm not consuming it. I don't know if you guys are. I mean, if you are, I mean, congratulations, but cereal doesn't seem like a big thing. But then again, at the grocery store, it seems like a lot of cereal still being bought these days. So maybe their cereal division won't be hit as hard. It's hard to tell. But at the same time, three potential companies, and they're not sure if all three companies are going to be able to provide dividends. But if they do, that could be something that we might want to look into because then potentially you can be, I mean, it's a, they're businesses that can stand on their own. And it's food. People are always going to need to consume food. So maybe that's something that people want to get into so that you're constantly getting more dividend income in for your from your uh, investments portfolio. Hard to tell. Last thing we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about Lowe's. Lowe's is getting into the metaverse. And I have some ideas that I think I would like to share with you guys in a minute once we read this article. Lowe's expanded in the metaverse with a tool to help visualize projects. It seems, very, it seems like every company is getting into the metaverse these days. Lowe's doesn't want to miss out on the opportunity to use it to help, use it to help builders image projects or correction, imagine projects. But unlike other retailers who choose a particular virtual platform or games like Fortnite or Roblox, Lowe's metaverse assets include free downloads of 500 product assets, including items such as chairs are available on its own hub. Quote, it's an emerging, it's all emerging and it's all for exploration. Lowe's executive vice president, chief brand and marketing officer, Marissa Thalberg told CNBC in an exclusive interview, the retailer decided not to choose one metaverse platform, but rather a kind of agnostic and kind of uh, democratized approach, she said. While other brands have found immediate ways to make money in the metaverse, even on the experimental basis, Thalberg said this isn't about immediately jumping in and trying to make an event or immediately uh, commoditizing it. Rather, she told CNBC, our goal is to really take it into the new frontier and help people with their imagination and help them make their own virtual space as exciting and inspirational and enjoyable as their real world space. And that's the only benefit we seek to obtain at this point. 
At least that's not the only stated benefit. As the first major home improvement retailer entered the metaverse and makes its ap application assets available for free, no doubt a key goal is watching the consumer behavior to eventually capitalize on the opportunity that might exist. The assets are based on real products and the company currently sells online and at stores. Analysis see a big breakthrough coming through the metaverse. By 2026, a quarter of consumers will spend at least one hour per day in the metaverse, said consulting ad research firm Gartner Estimates. Morgan Stanley estimates that total addressable market for advertising and e-commerce opportunities could be worth $8.3 trillion in the metaverse, with $697 billion in home and home relative spending. The firm lists walking through home renovation plans as just an example. Continuing on with the quote, just quote, just last year, it was estimated that $100 billion were spent on virtual goods inside gaming platforms. That doesn't even include NFTs. The Futures Intelligence Group CEO and Chief Metaverse Officer Kathy Hackle said. What I want to know is, and it doesn't really go into much details on it because they don't really talk about it much here. I want to know, because Lowe's is going into the Metaverse, how much longer till like, who says like, Target or a Home Depot. I mean, Lowe's, could, Lowe's and Home Depot are probably going to benefit the most from this because people build things in the metaverse. They do. And for those of you who are older, it's it's like the virtual world, okay? Some metaverse platforms are very, very realistic. Um, recently with friends, we, we play a lot on VR chat on Sundays and the VR chat world, some of it's too real sometimes. It, it's creepy how, how realistic it feels. Obviously, there's things sometimes that aren't 100% real, but it's becoming more and more real every single day. What I want to know is how much longer till these stores start putting their stores online on the metaverse? Because right now we do everything through e-commerce, right? But how much longer until you have to go into the metaverse and you could buy things on the metaverse and then you can just go to your local store to be able to buy things? I mean, think about it. In the metaverse currently right now, you just have to highlight something to get the new avatar. But it makes me wonder like if there will be an option soon in the metaverse where you can actually like highlight the product you're looking at. And then it says like, do you want to buy now? And you can say yes or no. And then from there, you could technically go to your local store or you can have it delivered to you or something. There's a lot of endless opportunities, at least what I'm seeing, at least what I'm thinking. I mean, the metaverse is pretty, pretty interesting at times to look at, but it, it just seems like the metaverse is going to keep expanding. And this is one way I think Lowe's and Home Depot could benefit a lot from it because you can make the projects and then you can literally look at every item that you had and how much it's going to cost in the end to build it. And then you can go do it. There's so many opportunities within the metaverse, it seems like for just these companies. Now, like a Target and Walmart might be a little different because they don't have as many building materials that you have to be able to use to build things right. But I could see Lowe's and Home Depot potentially having to use the metaverse as part of their business plan. But then it makes me wonder if they become part e-commerce, part metaverse in the end. It's gonna be interesting to see because it's gonna help planners be able to plan things a little bit more with metaverse technology. Now, this is the other thing that's interesting. You would think while well, on this news from Lowe's that Meta, like Facebook in particular, would be jumping at the news that this is happening, but it, it wasn't that way. In fact, Facebook stock technically tanked today. And it it's just, it, it, it virtually just tanked today. It says here, Meta settles with DOJ on allergy discrimination and housing ads. 
I guess their housing ads were going to people who either couldn't afford it at the end of the day. But Facebook stock did not jump at all in this news. It virtually tanked. But then this news comes out from Lowe's and you would think that that it would be jumping. It didn't. So Wall Street's betting right now that Facebook is still not going to be able to handle the metaverse. I'm telling you right now, young people love the metaverse. They do. Okay. When logging on the other day, like I had mentioned, my friends, and we're pretty much a little bit older, but they had mentioned that when they log on to the metaverse, there's just a lot of kids on it these days. And it's just how things are going. Kids want to be on the metaverse. They like those Oculus goggles to be able to see a different world, to be able to escape our world and go into a different world or build whatever they want. In a way, the metaverse is becoming the new Minecraft in the making. Minecraft was kind of big back in the day because you're able to use your imagination to build whatever you want. Now it seems like the metaverse is going to be the new Minecraft in the making. There might be more opportunities in the metaverse. I might not be seeing it all right now, but I think the Lowe's and Home Depot one, I think that's going to eventually happen. I hope I'm right. Hope I am. We'll find out. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you did enjoy it as much as I've enjoyed recording it today. I ask that if you did like and enjoy it, that you please like and subscribe to this podcast so we can be able to keep talking about the events that are happening in the market. I also ask too that you please like and subscribe and share with friends or family as every like and subscription that we get from you or friends or family, if you share this podcast with them, be able to help grow this channel so we can be able to keep talking about what's happening in the market at all times. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you and goodbye.